Welcome to the Good People Podcast, where each episode we explore what it means to be good by talking to everyday heroes, philanthropists, altruists, and do-gooders. I'm Kelsey Timmerman, author of the Where Am I series, Where Am I Wearing, Where Am I Giving, and of more relevance today, Where Am I Eating? So basically, we talk to people who give a damn, and I'm joined by someone who gives a damn most of the time, my good buddy, Jay Mormon. Jay, how's it going? Good. Most of the time. That's a compliment. I like that. Yeah. Most, not all the time. I mean, sometimes. Most of the time. That's hard to do all the time. Yeah. Well, I get tired. And our guest today, Kelsey, is very special. Been after this guest, or I should say this guest has been after me for a long time. She's been a Kelsey Timmerman fan since she was young. It's my daughter, Claire Mormon. Woohoo! Welcome, Claire. Yep, I, I know. I finally made time in my schedule to be on. So. <laughs> well, we're super happy you're here. You know, we've been talking about um, this particular subject off and on for different reasons um, for quite a while, and um, that uh, be a good chance for us to um, get into it with you. And I'll let you uh, and Kelsey talk about a little bit of your background, and then I think people understand why you're here. Yeah, so I remember the first time um, I talked to Claire's class at um, at Burris because they were reading Where Am I Eating, or, or Claire did a report on Where Am I Eating, um, and then years later when she was at University of Cincinnati, I was talking to a class which we should have the professor on. His it's uh, how to change a how to change the world class, and I was visiting that class, and then Claire and I met up for um, lunch. And so food is a very big part of what you do these days. So tell us what you got your, your degree in and, and what you're doing now. Yes. Yeah, so my degree was in dietetics, which always sounds so complicated to people, but basically it's nutrition. Um, it's just the study of nutrition. Um, I took my registration exam to become a registered dietitian after completing a year of a supervised practice, so working in hospitals, working in outpatient facilities, just really kind of like doctors do in a very short period of time. Um, and now I work as a registered dietitian. So, awesome. And you're uh, and you're in, uh, living in Fort Wayne, right? Yes. So Fort and, Wayne. Yep. Have you ever have you ever seen the uh, Lazy Muncie video on YouTube? No. Oh, you haven't? You need to watch Lazy Muncie. Have you seen it, Jay? Yes, of okay, course. Because the, the, one of the, the phrases is in that, if you don't like it here, get your ass to Fort Wayne or take your ass to Fort Wayne. Well, she did. <laughs> she did. That's true. I went from, I went Muncie, Cincinnati to Fort Wayne. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what, does your, what does your day look like? Like, who, who are you working with? Yeah, so I work at an eating disorder recovery center. We do both outpatient and partial hospitalization and then intensive outpatient um, treatment for a range of eating disorders. There's a lot more than just anorexia, nervosa, and bulimia, like people think. Um, and then, so I work on the partial hospitalization side, which clients are there around seven and a half hours a day doing group therapy, individual therapy, individual nutrition counseling. Um, we do meals and snacks together, just a lot of intensive work. Um, and I also work outpatient, uh, mainly with kids that have a specific type of eating disorder. So a lot of counseling, talking, um, 
leading groups like nutrition education, experiential groups, mindful eating groups, that sort of thing. Hmm. And you've been doing all that remote in COVID. Yes, which I don't think people thought were possible was possible before this, but it is possible. And we've, you know, moved people through our program. Sometimes it's taken a little bit longer because some of the exposure is just not there, but um, we've made it work. So. Yeah, that's, that had to be a little bit of a, a pivot you had to do there because uh, I know a lot of, um, from talking to you, a lot of the things you do, you have to sit with people, watch them eat, talk to them while they eat, try to get them to try new things, that kind of stuff. And so much of that's physical and being in presence of somebody is important. Um, so it's good that um, your company was able to make that switch. Has COVID so, seen an uptick in, in eating disorders or how's that so impact? Definitely. Most of the webinars that I attend are how eating disorders have, uh, you know, people have relapsed, people have increased in behaviors, gone back to treatment, or um, some people that didn't have eating disorders before are now in treatment. And a lot of my assessments when clients come in, well, about quarantine, I started watching TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> or you know I just whatever and and then eating disorder <laughs> behaviors and eating disorders don't come from nowhere so it's not that quarantine just causes eating disorders but eating disorders thrive in silence and isolation and that's what mm -hmm. quarantine has done to a lot of people especially people who already have eating disorder behaviors I'm sure there's a lot of self-medication there in that process. Um, one of the things Kelsey and I've been talking about, <clears throat> and I, I will say my personal observation, I think I've texted Kelsey at least a hundred times on some of this stuff, but it, there's, I've made this observation about not only people on Facebook, people I know, people that, uh, you know, connect to my network, um, but even in the past couple years, now this is not unusual. I even went by a magazine the other day that had celebrity diets on it, right? So everybody wants to know what everybody does and how they lost their weight and all that kind of thing. But there are some pretty dramatic uh, body transformations that we're seeing, right? And people look up to that and you hear compliments about those things. And I think this all leads back to not necessarily an eating disorder, but um, but some unhealthy view of food, uh, body image, all those sorts of things that I know you're so passionate talking about. Um, you know, Adele is a great example. Um, you know, however you might, uh, you know, see her in the past and see her now, there's been a dramatic change in her physical structure. Christina Aguilera is one, uh, Rebel Wilson recently. Uh, John Goodman is one that kind of caught me, right? John, all of a sudden on the new show was a dramatically different looking person. And then even locally, people on Facebook, I see it's almost like a spiritual thing, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I've transformed my life totally and I'm not eating carbs anymore. Um, I, what is it about our environment and our obsession about this stuff that, that makes us so susceptible to this, this, this transformation culture? Well, one of the biggest problems that causes those changes or why it's so praised to lose so much weight and oh it's kind of like a spiritual journey oh i'm a different person now mm -hmm. is because we have associated or connected 
weight equals health um, in not only the US, but we have really stood, especially with Hollywood and just the amount of media and ability we have to communicate things like that, we have just equated weight and health. And so when people see weight loss, um, you know, we've said, okay, weight loss is always good unless you're too skinny and then it's too much. But there's this kind of idea that you are doing something, this moral value of weight loss. Um, and we talk about moral value around food too. Um, I practice all foods fit, um, removing the moral value from food, which obviously like, you know, as Kelsey kind of talks about in his, what, uh, where am I eating book? There's considerations of people and working quality and where we source our foods, that sort of value. But we're also just talking about, well, you're not bad for eating chocolate cake. You're just as you're not good for eating an apple. Um, right. But we've created such idealism around weight loss and certain health practices that make it morally better or worse than other things. Um, and that has shows people's, um, you know, intentions with their life. And we just value that so much. I see a lot of people even saying, you know, oh, I am, you know, I lost weight and I don't feel good in my body. And, um, you know, is there a way I can kind of get back to a healthier place? And I messaged this person, but the other people commenting were saying, well, you know, you really should keep going and, oh, you know, really encouraging the weight loss and asking for pictures and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the reason that maybe other cultures aren't as into this or don't have an environment that's so set in this, I think of like Asian culture, um, the health practices are you know, a lot of different things. You know, if you think about, you know, Chinese medicine, you don't think about weight loss. Um, right. You think about hot and cold, um, you know, when they're in, in the winter or when they're sick, they'll have warm things because they believe there's this yin and yang between health practices. Um, you know, they practice things like yoga, meditation. They do all of these different things. Um, and they try to eat a well-rounded diet and that has nothing to do with weight. Um, but when we take just weight or moral value of food, that's when we start to kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when image gets to be the only thing that's important. Yeah. Um, Jay, you know that I'm often emailed by models, you know that, right? Yeah, oh, of course. Well, especially because of this podcast. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's, overwhelming. It's been exponential increase of model emails. Um, but so, so years ago, this is almost a little bit of a humble brag, but there's a point. Uh, I got an email. <laughs> well, 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 we'll let you do it. Go ahead, Kelsey. I got an email uh, from, this, uh, from this woman who had just, she's like, I just graduated from Harvard with her master's in something. Um, and uh, she's like, I'm a model, and I would. And she just had read Where Am I Wearing My First Book, and she wants to talk about like uh, ethical fashion, and she wants to do like a documentary. So it's like if I had a 
penny for every time that happened to me. I'd be a rich man, not really. Um, but she, the next day she was like on Ellen. So she was like legitimately like a model. And um, her name was, her name is Kate Dillon. Uh, I don't know if, if Claire, if you heard of her. And she was also on that Vanity Fair cover where it had um, you know, the plus size models who looked to me like normal, like the people just walking around outside all the time, like a normal person, which maybe that's not good language to use. I don't know. Um, and, and they were nude. Uh, I mean, all strategically like covered up um, on the cover of the magazine. And then that was, she was on there. And, and I um, was in New York and I, uh, we met for coffee and um, she was talking about like the journey that she had been on. And she was like a, um, a regular, like super teeny tiny model. And she had an eating disorder um, and she would have to starve herself and it got really bad and she was really sick and she um, just kind of went in a hole for a while and didn't even go out and it was even worse. And then at her, at the bottom, she, uh, one day she was out and about walking around and one of the photographers saw her. And he was like, you look fantastic. And here she was like, you know, heading towards death, um, potentially. And this like, just how harmful these images are for, for folks. Uh, so, you know, maybe Adele's doing this in a way that's not harmful to her, but maybe how we talk about Adele is harmful to, to others who are watching. I think that's really interesting because we talk so much with our clients about how how boring is that how terrible is that that someone can look at you and they assume your health status you can have the worst day of your life and someone can look at you and go wow you just look amazing you know there's so many more interesting things about a person than their body shape or size and because we equate that so much with health status that well if you're in a larger body then you're unhealthy and you have all these bad habits and all these bad things you're doing and you're a bad person but if you're in a smaller body well then you're good you're healthy you are a good person like all of these different things um and if we didn't do that and if we looked at more of a person than their body size um, even some people in the body positive movement are talking about how, you know, they don't want to claim that they're body positive. They don't want to say that they are a body positive person because it shouldn't be about bodies. It shouldn't be. And just because, you know, they're in this one body, that doesn't mean that everyone should be in this body. <laughs> everyone has their own body type shape and so much of that is genetics and um you know all these different factors um of health and like kind of like i was talking about with different cultures practices of health and how they see health in different ways um, one of the things i talk about with my clients is the determinants of health and it shows this kind of graph of maybe 12 different things that affect health and it doesn't say just all in big letters weight or food or you know uh, weight loss well you lost weight so now you're healthy it says access to health services employment and working conditions education and literacy physical environments 
healthy child development, biological and genetic environment, culture, financial and social status, gender. Um, I actually just saw a study from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics that, you know, is my, you know, it's kind of like the medical body for me. Um, said that the study had said food insecurity affects weight loss intervention. So basically saying that not having secure access to food intervenes, you know, messes with the intervention that people were trying to have on trying to get people to lose weight. Um, which kind of just shows that we're so hyper focused on weight loss as a good thing and that being in a larger body is a bad thing that if we had addressed the food insecurity like why aren't we putting money towards that and not weight loss and maybe overall that'll improve people's health um, and maybe that'll cause some weight change um, but it's not about weight um, if that makes sense. And I, you know, and I love, um, even in eating disorders, there's this stigma. A lot of people don't think they're sick enough to get help or they're not sick enough to be in this specific category or something or have this type of eating disorder. Um, and some people are to the point where they are, they've lost so much fat on their body. They've lost so much muscle tissue that their heart's breaking down. Um, and they look emaciated. They look very lost. They've lost their body structure. Um, but people in larger bodies can, you know, lose weight, maybe not as drastically, or maybe even not lose weight noticeably, but keep weight differently and have their heart tissue breaking down. Um, that doesn't make them any less sick. It doesn't make them any less needing of help. Um, but even in that, we have to be very careful that we are paying attention to a whole person and not yeah. just. That's, and that's the way the compliments feel to me. And you've said to me before, Claire, that, you know, watch what you compliment because you don't know what you're complimenting, right? So, you know, somebody who's lost weight dramatically that you see and you haven't seen for five years, I think our natural reaction or, or, or the socialized reaction we have sometimes is, wow, Kelsey, you look great. Well, what might be going on with Kelsey? He might be getting abused at home. His job sucks. He's, you know, dealing with massive stress, anxiety issues, and it's caused him to reach an unhealthy place. But what have I just done? I've reinforced the fact that that image is most important. And that's where, you know, I know, <laughs> I don't know. it's so funny. I don't know how to refer to her on this call or on this, uh, this episode because Karen, your mother, Kelsey, you know, <laughs> she's Karen's but my mom. She is your mom okay. and Claire's mom. It's okay. wow. really weird. Um, um, but um, she's, she's been watching, you know, people post about these things. Right. And she's been commenting and saying, you look happy rather than you look good or you look, you know, whatever the things are. It's like, if somebody looks happy, just call out the thing that you notice about them, not, not necessarily that you look good because you lost weight, right? Because there are so many other parts. Um, you know, you, you reached a peaceful place or, you know, whatever those things might be, they're so much better. But if you look at the comments, everybody says, you look great, you look great, you look great. Man, what a transformation. You look great, you look great, you look great. It's, it's crazy. And that's what they're complimenting, right, Claire? Is this, is this single aspect of a human being and there's a lot more to it. 
Um, yes. And I've seen so many of those and it's, you know, a lot of times I do comment and say, I'm a registered dietitian and, you know, uh, I won't say on the weight loss ones, but I've seen people <laughs> for weight loss. You know, I think I mentioned one person earlier, um, that had said, I lost weight. I was trying to work out and I lost weight and it's just more than I'm comfortable with. I don't feel comfortable with my body. And people were still encouraging the weight loss, asking for pictures, asking mm. for results. How did she do it? When she mm. is actually identifying that she is not happy in her body, um, yeah. which just shows how much moral, like positive moral value we put on weight loss. Um, and she was like 22, you know, she's so young and it was just so frustrating. So I, I reached out to her and, you know, and people were, uh, she had mentioned that protein powder and um, different types of protein hurts her stomach and people were encouraging her to have, still have the protein because she needed muscle mass and nutritionally that's not even, that's a whole other issue, but it's just people feeling that because weight loss is something so praised that they should give advice on something they have no idea about. So um, is it best just to not to mention, you know, I, I've, I've been in this position before where at the gym, I, there was a, a, a woman who was doing private training with one of the coaches every morning and she uh, worked really hard and I saw that, she, you know, she was physically changing and I like my, I kind of wanted to say something to her, but then I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um, so is it best just not to, what, what, like, what do we, what are we supposed to do to be a good, good person, Claire? Yeah. So I guess like, would you say anything to anyone, like to someone in another situation, you know, if it wasn't about body change or, well, I, mean, I guess there, and like, it was the context of she had been working really hard in the gym too. Just the one to acknowledge, like that she was coming every morning, and I mean, um, the, you know, if we talk about health, like being physically active is is healthy, and she was coming in there and, and putting in the work. So, like, I wanted to find some way to acknowledge, like, wow, you know, it's really great, uh, and I maybe mean, that's why I should say it's really great how you're coming in here all the time, like. Uh, but then I wanted to kind of be like, well, I can see the difference, you know, but th th that's, that feels weird. Is too. it about image? I mean, do you just compliment? It seems like you're getting stronger. Are you lifting more weight? Do you, do you feel more connected? I don't know. That is a hard one. I think the biggest thing is um, not that it's bad to want to encourage someone or um, support them or give them positive feedback is you know, why do we feel the need in the first place to say that, you know, why are our health practices on the line of discussion? Um, you know, it's, if it was something I think about, you know, you worked with someone and they just seemed to work so hard on this project and put a lot of love and a lot of dedication into it. I think it's one thing but why does work ethic in health practices give commenting? You know, not that that's a bad thing. And I think also we talk so much about like, you're not a bad person for wanting weight loss or wanting to change your body. You're not liking parts of your body, but 
why is it up for discussion in the first place? Um, you know, in other, and I keep going back to Asian cultures because I know a lot about health practices and, you know, China and Japan and that sort of thing. But one of the things is like in China, if you sneeze, you don't like someone doesn't say anything. It's rude to say, bless you. <laughs> um, so I think there's even in some cultures, those sort of things aren't even talked about because it's of such a personal thing not that we should never talk about health but i think it's a little bit more of a discussion rather than praising you know i don't know i i think it's a hard question to answer because it's so individual and yeah. you can't you can't anticipate people's react reactions ever so you may be complimenting that you see them working really hard and they may think great, good. I'm going to come here every day. I'm never going to take a break. So you, but also they might think, wow, that's really nice of someone to, you know, see that I'm doing something. I don't even know them. They said something nice. Um, so it's not that we have to tiptoe around people, but it's that we have to engage our minds and our perspectives in a different way that shows that health practices are more than that. And maybe if we address the full picture of things for ourselves, you know, pay attention to, okay, well, have I been extra stressed at work? Like questioning why different things have happened, why, you know, and recognizing that health is not a stagnant thing. Just because you're in one state in your life doesn't mean that two months from now you might be, in, you know, feeling healthier, feeling better about life. And that's okay. Um, and maybe if we look at all of those aspects for ourselves, when we have conversations or when we feel like we want to have conversations with people, it'll be a little bit easier to understand why um, or how to go about that or feel comfortable with it. I might push back a little bit on the, on Asian cultures being protective of personal space because I was on a, um, I was on a subway and a grown man started petting my arm hair. So like that's a weird fact. That was weird. <laughs> Personal health practices. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I choose not to shave my arm hair. Uh -huh. Well, this is this is this is why the podcast is all audio. I think we need to have some uh, a body hair positivity. Is that nope. is that a thing? Nope, that's not a thing. Next question. Uh, uh, Jay says no, but I say. Anything can be positive if you, if you put a spin on it, you know. <laughs> you can be positive for yourself, for sure. <laughs> oh, Kelsey. So when it comes to, like, diets in general, like, I mean, I, I'm thinking they're probably, how do people have a healthy relationship with food? And how do we help people have a healthy relationship with food? And... What about when someone's like, I'm going to go on a diet? Or if you're, someone's thinking about, like, I'm going to go on a diet, like, what do you have to say to those folks? Yeah, so, you know, I've heard people say that. And if I hear, oh, I want to go on a diet, I'll, I'll kind of just ask, oh, really, why? Like, what, you know, what are you kind of thinking about, you know, the diet? Why? Um, and that's usually if I'm, feeling closer to the person um you know i could ask you kelsey maybe um 
Beer, carbs. I'm on the beer carb diet. Beer carb diet. And, and that makes me feel good. <laughs> well, if it, it works for your body, then there you go. I think you might need some protein and water and some fats, but you know, everyone to each their own, I guess. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess it's more of questioning, you know, why, why do we, we automatically go to, oh, well, good for you. Um, but why do we do that? We don't do that when someone says, I'm going to stay up all night and then only sleep one hour a day. Well, that doesn't make sense. But diets basically mean the same thing with food, that we're going to change what our body is asking us for because we think we should do something. We, we think something else is better. Um, you know, and, and dieting usually means restricting foods, restricting food groups. And even if people don't say that, um, a lot of people will reword things to make it seem like not like that. But if there's moral value to the food, if this food's good, this food's bad, if there's superfoods, if there's, you know, off-limit foods, off-limit times of eating, um, certain practices you have to follow, anything like that, the intention is weight loss, it's a diet. Um, and if you really think about it, it's all in order to decrease the amount you eat um, mm. and keep you in that cycle. You know, we talk about diet culture is a $70 billion industry um, that profits off weight loss failing and diets failing and those disordered patterns, you know, preying on people's insecurities. That's how it makes money. You know, it doesn't, if we only needed one diet, you know, if diets worked, we'd only need one diet. Um, right. And we don't, we go from one to another and they get rebranded, you know, keto was Atkins 20 yeah. years ago. Paleo. <laughs> well, and, and pe people are trying to not use the word diet. I've, you know, had people say, Oh, it's not a diet. It's just, eating healthy, but then the pictures posted are the before and after type. Yep, um, if it's not body, it's not a, it's, it's a diet. Yeah, yeah, that's it's exactly not, right. Body, um, image. So, I mean, health, health comes up in this conversation too. And I, I mean, I know you see kind of the extreme uh, of, of what can happen to people with eating disorders when they're taken in our culture of you must look in a certain way. And you're, I, I, I think very interesting about like the, the moral value equals like you're a certain size or you're eating a certain type of food. And I can see how like we do pass, pass that, that judgment based on who a person is based on how, how they look, which is, which is horrible and harmful. Um, but I mean, the there was a report today that came out uh, it was on npr um and it said um obesity and weight related illnesses have deadly liabilities in the covid 19 era a reported um a report released this month by the world obesity federation which i never knew existed found that increased body weight is the second greatest predicator of covid 19 related hospitalization and death across the globe trailing only old age as a risk factor so how do we talk about, you know, as a good, as a good, as good people, we want to promote like body positivity, 
but we also want people to live happy and healthy lives. And, you know, there's a, there is a world obesity federation and they're saying like, look, this is a, a health issue and COVID is impacting individuals of, you know, a certain, the, who are, who are uh, rated obese. Well, there's a couple, I mean, it's a big discussion, so we can't obviously answer every question in that world of, okay, what do we do about weight? But um, first of all, the obesity scale, the BMI scale was created in the 1800s by a mathematician. Not anyone that, you know, and if you think about practices of health in the 1800s, I don't think we should be going off basically anything from that. And obviously, you know, growth charts have been adjusted throughout the years. Um, but, you know, when we're only talking about one factor, you know, and if you look at the, you know, um, the precursors or the risk factors for being of a higher body weight, a lot of them are things that we don't, address and we focus on just changing the weight value. Um, but again, going back to those, you know, health determinants, determinants I was talking about, um, you know, a lot of people that are at risk for a higher body weight, um, you know, and, and I'm talking the more, the higher end of that scale are people that don't have access to health services, don't have, um, stable employment or working conditions, may be of lower education and literacy, physical environments might not be safe. I've seen multiple studies about how kids and adults aren't, or live in unsafe environments, um, neighborhoods, and aren't able to go outside. Um, personal health practices, coping skills, social environments, healthy child development, biological and genetic environment. All of those things, you know, when we just talk about weight or a body size as this negative or bad thing that puts us in health risks, it's really maybe more about all of those other things. Um, yeah, and Claire, we we had um, in my previous company, I'll put it that way, um, we were incented and were given incentive money to reduce our um, index number that was part of the program right so if you dropped it x percent you would get five hundred dollars into your flexible spending or hsa account right so it was it was financially backing um that 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 change that may be irrelevant when you look at all the other factors in someone's life that was part of the program even putting and that is so common at first i thought it was good with the step things to get you walking and get you outside great like that but putting a monetary factor on something that sometimes people can't control um especially with the genetic factors like some people are not able to lose weight as easily as others so even when there's this monetary incentive and they may need that money that five hundred dollars might be make or break for their health care which is another risk for um a lot of other um health issues you know not being able to access health care services um there's also so much weight bias and 
people are less likely to go to the doctor if they're in a larger body and they've been treated differently. And the ch chances of that are so high that the book that I base a lot of my practice off of uh, is called Sick Enough. It's by a doctor that practices health at every size, which um, probably won't get into that too much, but this doctor is amazing. And she said the biggest form of harm that healthcare does to people in larger bodies is um, weight bias. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that is not only accessibility, um, sometimes, you know, having different chairs, um, but it's also walking in saying that your knee hurts and being told to lose weight. Also, doctors will tell people that they need to have weight loss surgery before they have something taken care of, like knee problems, um, because I mean they have surgery for their knee because it's yeah. dangerous being at a higher weight, but then they do the weight loss surgery under anesthesia, just like they would do for mm. the knee surgery. I mean, some of this is, is, is the relative, right? Like, are we, um, compared to, uh, how we were 25, 50, 100, 10,000 years ago? Um, and, and maybe 10,000 is going a little bit too far back. Um, but I, I had this and I had this in where am I eating? And I'm not sure how, if it's not quite as sensitive as it should be now, looking back at it. Um, you know, so, and I, and I talk about the, the food system. Uh, the, the world is dominated by American agribusiness. This is from where am I eating, which provides American eaters with potato chips that cost four times less per calorie than carrots. Um, our calories are cheaper, but we pay in other ways. So airlines, and this was written in 2012, uh, so it could be dated a little bit. Airlines in the United States spent $275 million more per year on fuel than in 1990 to haul around, and this is the part that I feel bad about in this conversation, uh, the excess rolls and folds of their passengers. Obesity costs Americans $61 billion per year, which I, I see it now like a little bit through your eyes that, well, obesity is like could be a symptom of a lot of other things uh, happening. Um, and, and $56 million in lost wages. I don't know exactly how that happens, but from 1995 to 2010, the diabetes diagnosis increased by at least 50% in 42 states and 100% in 18 states. 49% of Americans are at risk for heart disease. We are importing more food each year into the United States and we're exporting our way of eating to the world. In Mexico, the best way to predict if a child will be overweight is his proximity to the United States. So I guess a question, I, I mean, it's hard not for me to judge like uh, what type of food is better than another, but like carrot versus potato chips. Like, are you saying like, hey, they're the, they're the, they're the same? Yeah, so it's actually really cool nutritionally um, that our body does a lot of amazing things without us even thinking about it. Um, so carrots probably don't give you that many carbohydrates, but for whatever sakes, we'll say they give you some carbohydrates, chips give you some carbohydrates. Um, and those, as they're processed through our body, give us the same glucose. You don't get, you know, glucose one and glucose bad um, when we have 
chips versus carrots. There, of course, is going to be a micronutrient difference. You know, maybe um, carrots have more vitamin A um, than chips. But also, we add things back in in processing. Iodized salt, the reason that we are in, like, in first world, or I forget what we're calling it now. Well, I don't think there's a good term for it. It's called developed, you know. It's, I don't think that's a very good term either. But Yeah developed countries or industrialized countries. Um, oh, we add things back in and processing. So iodized salt, countries that don't have that are iodine deficient. And that is so not even common here that, and, we, and also the whole all foods fit model is that removing the moral value of food stops the cycle of, I can't have that, it's bad when you could just have one piece of cake and move on instead of going, I can't have that, that's bad. When you have it inevitably have three pieces instead of one, feel bad about it and then cycle through that. It's called the restrict binge compensate cycle, um, which we talk about a lot in eating disorders, but everyone does that because we've been told that foods are bad or good um, when really it's a variety and naturally our body craves variety. Um, and it may not be all in one day, maybe all day I have ice cream one day, <laughs> but tomorrow I'm probably going to want some carrots. I'm probably going to want some whole grain. You know, I'm going to want something different. Um, but the problem is more of that association we have, um, or moral value we put on the food. So there's, there's nothing wrong with Mountain Dew. It's just that you should moderate your Mountain Dew more than you should your water. I mean, yeah, and I guess like if it's, have you ever been through a time where you said, I can't have Mountain Dew or I can't have this, and maybe you did really well, you know, um, for a year. You didn't have it for a year. I know someone that cut candy out for a year. Um, right, a lot of people do that, like cut candy out for a year. And then the next year, they had the most candy they've had in their mm -hmm. lives. When, you know, maybe you'll just have it occasionally. Um, but when we cut things off, it's called the starvation state of our brain. Even if we don't actually restrict it or take it away from ourselves, um, but we say that it's bad or that we can't have it or we shouldn't have it, but we still have it, it actually starts processing in our brain. It causes mental starvation. Our brain then wants it even more and causes us to go mm. through that cycle. But um, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so much of it comes down to, and I remember <clears throat> reading this thing once, and I think we've quoted this before, Kelsey, but you know, when you, when somebody eats chocolate cake in the United States, they feel guilt. And when you, someone eats chocolate cake in France, they think about mm -hmm. celebration, right? Um, so it, you know, food, we put so much weight and so much, um, like Claire saying, m moral, judgment behind food types of food how much food um it's all fine right so eat well listen to your body um and if you're going to close a door off completely just get ready for it to be blown off later um it just doesn't make a lot of sense to to restrict like that and i don't know how many people i've known that have gone into those restrictions been really proud and happy about that and two years later 
Um, and I've seen some extreme cases of people I've worked with, you know, a guy that I know lost something like 120 pounds and, uh, you know, three years later it was all back and, you know, but that's got to mess with your metabolism and change your body and cause, cause other issues. Um, but we do spend too much time. It's almost like we just spend too much time talking about diets and food instead of all the other things that are involved in person being healthy. Well, it's almost like an identity thing, identity thing, isn't it? Like who who we think we are and who other people think we are as well. Mm-hmm. Like if we were not our, uh, I mean, I could put on 50 pounds and uh, sitting here talking with, with you, Jay and Claire, like I, I don't think you would think anything differently of me, but inside maybe I would think differently of myself, which is that's where the harm that's where the harm right. is. And, and then you feel like you should feel differently because you get all these images that, oh, I would be happier if I was 50 pounds uh, lighter or, yeah. or whatever. Well, and that's, and Claire, that's what you deal with, right? It's the snowball that's rolled down the hill in that circumstance, right? That It's gone, it's, it's really taken a hold of somebody to the point where it's dangerous. And, um, you know, weight, loss is so unsuccessful in general we actually have a national weight control registry of people that have maintained weight loss for more than a year Um, I think it's more than a year it might be five years but it's so few that we are studying how can we how can we do this how can we maintain this weight loss and uh, really those drastic, you know, we call it yo-yo dieting, like when people flip from yo- diets to diets, but also weight loss and weight gain. Like when we flip, if, you know, people can be healthier in a larger body when they're active and doing all these different things and not dropping and increasing in weight all the time so much than someone that is dieting. And yeah, maybe they lost 120 pounds or. Yeah, but they're know, yo-yoing, right. We're going back and forth. That is so bad for your body that, you know, we don't talk about that and we don't talk about how that affects your health because we're so obsessed with the idea that weight loss is always good. Yeah. Yeah. So the next time I see somebody eating a cheeseburger without a bun (laughs) or Claire, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I have friends that will actually peel a cheese off of a pizza and then eat it. Yeah, that's just sad. My brother, <laughs> my brother does that, but he doesn't like cheese, you know. Uh, well, that's different. And I still if you're feel worried sad about for the, him. Yeah, that is. How can you not like cheese? This is amazing. Well, that's a that's odd. You know, and what is and that quote that you were talking about? I told you about, sir. By the way. Um, oh, the from, chocolate cake. It's from a Michael Pollan book. Um, they were doing studies about. Um, people's different reactions and associations to different words activity in my one of my groups because of this quote because um, I have people look at okay cake carrot apple rice Mm. look at all those words and tell me what they think immediately Mm -hmm. what do they associate and the reactions are so strong obviously it's an eating disorder treatment so people are very much, you know, thinking about this for hours and hours and hours a day, but we all have those, you know, we've all been told chocolate cake is bad when again, other cultures, maybe they're doing, we're always trying to figure out why they're doing better than the U S and maybe it's because they are spending time with people enjoying food, you know, 
experiencing food, experiencing more of life than the relationship with food and the back and forth and the desire for weight loss. Maybe that's what's driving them to do better and feel better and have more time. And obviously, and also part of that, we, we don't talk about like working conditions. The U.S. has a lot less vacation time, maternity leave. Um, paternity leave. Yeah. No paternity leave, basically. There's just, there's not these social services built in to give people the time to mm-hmm. take care of themselves. Um, if we had paternity leave, I might have another kid. Kelsey, what do you think? Well, I mean, now with the tax with the tax credits and stuff going around too, it's like you know. I know. Uh, Why not? The kids are finally paying for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I I really think that there's so much about those things that we don't consider, and when we focus so much on weight loss and not paternity leave, maternity leave, yeah. um, have it. Some places do four day a week work weeks, mm-hmm. and that drastically improved people's lives and it has nothing to do with food yeah claire speaking of like working conditions and we talked about that earlier and i've written a lot about that about the the working conditions of the people who actually are like producing our food and we just saw it in logansport indiana where um the the meat the meat workers were told they had to go back to work and they had you know a real high cases of COVID. There was recently another plant where the manager would, they were, had a, a bet on how many people, how many of their factory floor employees would get COVID and they were taking bets on it, which is just absolutely crazy. But so like there, I, I make some eating decisions based on those type of the ethics, you know, uh, and, and I've actually been thinking about like making a, list and this would totally like get people going about like here like um uh a vegetable you grow yourself is top you know a a meat that you produced with all on-farm stuff yourself that would be on you know be on top but people people become vegans people are vegetarians uh people eat fair fair trade food and so have you are there any negative impacts um of that when it comes to people's relationship with food, when they take on an ethical kind of ethical uh, diet. And I'm going to ask too, because like I will, I want to get a cow and I wanted to eat, eat, I wanted to eat the cow and Annie and Harper are like, we can't eat the cow. And after we had this conversation, I'm like, what? So we'll eat hamburgers, but we'll just eat, we'll just eat unhappy cows that come from some feedlot that we've never known. And we're okay eating them, but a cow that we like gave like cow paradise to, and we loved, and then we ate like so. Harper now is a vegetarian, except she'll eat our chicken eggs. Um, so, have you seen any like negative impacts or discussions about like people set out to eat a certain way with the, with their ethics in mind uh, for the environment, for animal you know animal suffering for worker justice and then it has had negative impacts definitely um you know and i feel like i got caught up in that just trying to figure out how to be a good person and eating that i wanted to be the best for the earth be the best for other people 
and that <laughs> created so much fear around food that I just thought, I don't know what I'm doing. And then realizing that that's not good for me either. Um, there's a lot, you know, and I, it can be good in so many different situations for different people to do certain things. So it's always, there's always exceptions to the rule. You know, I know multiple people that are very healthy, very happy being vegans, um, vegetarians, or doing things like that, or buying locally only. Um, and that's great. But then there are some people, and some of it's genetic predisposition, people that have had eating disorders in their family, just like, you know, alcohol uh, abuse or anything like that are more predisposed to have eating disorders. So some people may go into it with a moral reason and then come out with an eating disorder and then some people don't. Um, but again, I think that restriction, you know, and why do we have to label it in the same way that, you know, I, I started trying to go, well, am I a flexitarian, which is a real term. Am I a vegetarian? Am I going to be a vegan? And everything intimidated me because they were rules that they were set that, you know, if I went to a restaurant, if there was cheese on the burger, then I've broken that. I'm mm. not this thing. But, you know, you can have good intentions and do good things, you know, like buying fair trade, like buying local, you know, maybe making some of your own things, being connected to your food without labeling it as I am this thing. Yeah, don't put your identity on it. That's what you're yeah. saying. Because, yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, it's um, if you eat less meat, it might be better for the environment or a different type of meat might be better for the environment. But like the one time that you do all of a sudden, poof, you were like had all the vegetarian apparel and the clubs. And all of a sudden you have to like go to the meeting and you have to say like, I'm a vegetarian. I've haven't eaten meat in a day. I'm like, Oh, what happened to you? Like you slipped up, you know? So just, it shouldn't have those. Don't see your identity and, and what you eat or, and your physical form, I guess, maybe to sum things up. Yes. And, and that's um, something I'll say one more thing about that kind of identity portion. Um, in the, my, the mindful eating group is that I lead is one of my favorite things. I lead it with this really just beautifully worded and amazingly wonderful person that brings in this perspective about you know, we are not our bodies, we are not our thoughts, we are not always the actions we have, but we're, you know, or the feelings that we have, we're not the feelings, actions, or all of these other things, we are the observer of all those things. We direct things, we react to things, we can recognize that, you know, this guilt is knocking on our door. We can say, hey, I see you. I know I feel guilty because I had called myself a vegan and I had a piece of cheese, but I'm not all these things. And it's okay for me to do those things. And really just connecting with that idea that we are the observers and we can make decisions. We can have values. We can have all those things. But when we take it all 
you know, or weight loss onto our identity, then we are causing more harm than good, whether it's to ourselves or others. Um, and it affects our perspective on others and ourselves um, and society in general when we take those things on an as an identity because we see those in other people as well. Yeah, it's like kind of like meditation when the mindful is like mindfulness, like a mindfulness in terms of meditation, which I didn't quite get that connection at first. Um, Wow, that's that's good stuff, Claire. Well, th well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for all that you do to to help people who um, are trying to figure out their relationship with with food, figure out th themselves, and um, in this crazy society that we're in. Um, unfortunately, you're, you have a lot of a lot of work to do. There's a lot of folks out there that that need help. So, thank you for doing that and for doing all those things and for being uh, Jay's favorite child. Uh, you are definitely good people, so thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Good People Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Jay Mormon for co-hosting and to Cliff Ritchie for the great tunes. You can listen to Cliff on Spotify or find him at cliffrithcheyart.com. Let's keep the good going. Please share, rate, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Visit kelseytimmerman.com slash goodpeople to find show notes suggest guests, learn more about my books, and tell us about the good you are doing in the world.